Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And you're listening to the Ready State Podcast. You got it! You better stop it! You got it! This episode of the Ready State Podcast is brought to you by the pain pill made by our friends at Kabuki Strength. The only way to best describe our friend Chris Duffin, sort of the mastermind at Kabuki, is sort of evil genius scientist. One of the things that we love to use is a little bit of weight when we're mobilizing. Sometimes you need a little bit of input into the tissues, um, you know, but it's difficult to have a barbell in your living room. I've tried. Yeah, and here's the deal. We've got a couple pain pills in our living room, and basically at any given time, if there's someone watching TV, they're sitting on the floor with a pain pill on their quads. Yeah, so imagine a gorgeous object that doesn't offend your mid-century modern sensibilities. Right, It's going to look good next to your couch and your mid-century modern cat. But it's right there. And, you know, again, sometimes having a kettlebell in your house, a barbell in your house, sometimes it's good to be passive, but also the, the shape of this thing, it looks like a futuristic uh, object from, you know, out, outer space, it allows you to penetrate behind bones, sneak into uh, angles of your tissues obliquely, and you can find a lot of bulge that you sometimes can't struggle to find or do struggle to find you can't find on a roller so add the pain pill into your system we've i've been using them for years as soon as i saw it i intuitively understood what it was i love it go check it out at the readystate.com slash pain pill that's the readystate.com slash pain pill Mark Bell is the meathead millionaire who has leveraged a successful powerlifting career into a multi-million dollar business empire. He owns and operates the super training gym, dubbed the strongest gym in the West. And by the way, it also happens to be the largest free gym in the world. He's published a national fitness magazine as a host of a top 50 health and fitness podcast, along with an impressive YouTube following that may be actually as big as his quads. Much of Mark's business success has come from his patented invention called the Slingshot, a wildly popular weightlifting device billed as the greatest invention since weightlifting belt and the question mark. His motto in life is simple. If you're not getting better, then you're getting worse. So never be caught standing still. Mark Bell, welcome to the Ready State Podcast. Thank you, guys. I have a pair of short shorts that I'm wearing, especially for you guys today. Oh, you know, I just want to say, I know this is your first podcast and I really, don't be nervous. It's going to be great. You're just with friends. All right, I'll, try, I'll, just, I'll do just my speak, best. Just speak your truth, Mark Bell. Speak your truth. I'm just chewing the inside of my cheek as hard as I possibly can at the moment. <laughs> oh, is that is that what carnivore is? <laughs> okay, so, you know, we're here, uh, our entire season is dedicated to sort of demystifying these various nutrition strategies that people employ. Um, and you obviously are a fan of and follow the carnivore diet. But before we start talking about that, can you try to sum up Mark Bell's pre-carnivore diet life in a short paragraph? <laughs> <laughs> I've been, you know, kind of on and off uh, diets for a long time since I, you know, learned about like bodybuilding and building muscle and the importance of protein. But also when I got into powerlifting, the culture of powerlifting that I was around, the subset of people I was around, really no one cared about their nutrition at all. Um, they just, they had no, they had really no regard to it whatsoever. And after seeing, you know, super strong dude after super strong dude after super strong dude, you know, break all these uh, world records and, and hit all these weights that they wanted to hit, 
um, I kind of joined in on the party. But luckily for me, um, because I have always been on kind of a meat-based diet, um, I still at least had some protein in there to, to maintain some, you know, muscle mass and stuff. I've, I've always felt like the look is important, even even if you end up with a lot of excess body fat on top of you, on top of muscle. Uh, I always thought it was important to try to maintain as much muscle mass. So even as fat and as bloated uh, as I got, um, it never got like uh, never got sloppy. Um, I would say the fattest part of me was my face. Um, but, uh, I was try- luck- lucky enough to kind of keep everything together enough to where, you know, now I'm down a hundred pounds and uh, I don't have any loose skin or anything like that. And I think it's because, uh, I tried desperately at that time to, to really try to keep that muscle mass on. Was there, for those of you who don't know Mark Bell, you're a world champion powerlifter. You have been, you had another pro life as a wrestler. You uh, have really just been a voice of strength athletes for a long time. In fact, your magazine was one of the few magazines sort of dedicated to all things strength sports. So it's not like you haven't been around nutrition and diet. And I think one of the things that people forget about in strength sports is there is often a weight class or a weight restriction where people are having to eat to gain weight, which is actually very difficult. And actually, and if you've ever had to eat to gain weight, it's it's worse than dieting, I think. <laughs> yeah, and, and I know that that's going to blow people's minds. But you've also had to eat a certain. There's no way that's possible. It's it's, it's terrible, <laughs> and you've also had to you know lean down, and even recently, which is really amazing. I think you're one of the few people I've known who um, is a world champion powerlifter, and you know has squatted over a thousand and benched nine hundred, and then did a you know bodybuilding show where you're body fat was like 3% and you were very tan. And so <laughs> what I, I guess what I'm saying is you have always been your own experiment for as long as I've known you. And I've known you, a, you know, over a decade now. And it's been really amazing. I met you when you were what, 308 pounds, 312 pounds. Yeah. The heaviest I ever was, was, uh, 330 pounds. And I think you bring up a good point is that, you know, I was, I was doing it for a purpose, but you can also, um, you know, in, in my effort to do it, uh, for a purpose, I turned into a porpoise. I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think you can o- you can overdo it, you know. Like, and you guys seen this with with all the athletes that you helped over the years. Um, you know, the athlete just wants so desperately to make that thing happen. They they want to do it so badly, and that's kind of what happened to me. I got to about two seventy, two eighty, and uh, that was a good amount of weight for me at uh, around six foot three. <laughs> <laughs> around five, around five eleven, five ten, whatever the heck I am, um, you know, at the height that I'm at, you know, that that weight was plenty, and uh, I just didn't recognize it. I just wanted more and more. I wanted to keep lifting more, and really, all that happened is I probably compromised my health more and uh, just got fatter. But you don't you don't know unless you uh, unless you try, and so you, you know you have to uh, you have to go to one extreme to kind of find even where the uh, the middle ground is. So I I just you know, me and Jesse Burdick devised a plan to, uh, you know, continue to gain weight. And one of the key factors was to really just kind of let loose later on in the day. So most of our day would be very, I would say just like normal, like not, not anything crazy nutrition wise, just trying to make sure that we're eating protein with every meal. Uh, but we could have, you know, eggs and bacon and some toast in the morning afternoon could be like a burrito dinner could be, you know, steak, veggies, a potato. But then after that, 
you know, <laughs> is where you can really, you know, kind of get after it and have like ice cream or eat, maybe even throughout the day eating a, a little bit of uh, stupid stuff like Doritos and things like that, because uh, Doritos are kind of the magical unicorn of gaining, <laughs> gaining a lot of uh, size. But a weird thing about it is that that bloat that you might feel, you know, after eating like a big Thanksgiving dinner or something like that, that is like super advantageous to powerlifting. It feels really good to have that extra body weight on you, have that extra mass, the extra mass helps you to move more mass. So that's what I was involved in for, you know, it was actually a short period of time. I was only like that for about five years, but that's what uh, everyone kind of remembers me for. Well, I think one of the things I just want people to hear in there is it seems very extreme. I met Jesse Burdick, who we just referenced as another incredible coach and a mutual friend. He was 220 pounds. He'd just gone down to 220 pounds. And in the same year, you and he had a device, a plan where he was going to go up to 308 pounds. So he put on over 100 pounds in a year to lift and have an elite powerlifting total either end. But in that is this sort of concept of eating for a specific reason, for performance. And the same way we see um, a lot of our friends struggle with relative energy deficiency syndrome, where they don't eat enough and they're runners or they're cyclists or they're young women growing and they stop getting their periods. The, it's always easy to flirt with nutrition and have it impact your health. And on the one end is this REDS syndrome, relative energy deficiency. We used to call it the athlete triad. We see occult stress fractures, amenorrhea. And on the other side, we had strength athletes who were saying, we need to eat more for our sport. It actually was an advantage to lifting more weights. But there's definitely, we don't talk about on either side that there is a health detriment potentially and you are flirting with a very short game. And it wasn't until I got around you where, where we started having some conversation and, you know, we ended up speaking the same language, but coming from completely different backgrounds. But one thing that you mentioned to me was, well, yeah, it's okay. Well, you got to that eating that way, but I just wonder like how far you could push it. And that was something I just, I didn't really think about it. It's a, it's very difficult to gain a lot of weight and to hold on to a lot of weight without any junk food in there. But you just brought up a good point. You're like, you know, I just wonder like <clears throat> if you could recover from your workouts faster. And that's what really got my wheels spinning where I was like, yeah, you know what? He, he's got a good point. And so from there, um, you know, after I did some of the bigger lifts and stuff, I started to move into doing more of a paleo style diet and my strength went down quite a bit. But what people don't understand about that part is that is only because I lost a large amount of weight. If I would have, you know, continued to, to stay heavier, what, what I think would, would have happened because I've had it happen in different weight classes is you end up staying at the same body weight for a while. Your body gets used to that new weight. Um, you start to get leaner, you just get leaner kind of, um, almost without doing anything. You're just on the same diet for a while and you're expending a lot of energy and, Next thing you know, you're, you're continuing to get a little bit leaner, you know, month by month, year by year. It's, it's a slow, slow process, but, um, I did get weaker from removing a lot of carbohydrates and moving a lot of junk. But what I always point out, whether it's keto, whether it's carnivore, cause people always ask, can you be strong on carnivore? It, it just, it really depends. Like if you're a big power lifter and you weigh 300 pounds and you try the carnivore diet and you're getting down to 260, you will have lost a lot of strength, most likely, if, if you're a good power lifter. 
uh, if you're new to powerlifting, then kind of anything's possible. You could lose a bunch <laughs> of weight and gain strength really because you're so new to everything. But for the most part, what you're going to notice is that if you lose a significant amount of weight, in most cases, uh, you're going to lose some strength. You'll lose some leverages. You know, things just won't feel the same anymore. And so you'll just have to make adjustments. But I think what you have to put first and foremost is what is the goal? Like, what is the, what is the immediate goal? What's the ultimate goal? You know, for me, um, you know, I wanted to squat 1100. I wanted to bench 900 pounds, but after falling with 1085, I was like, all right, well, I should probably shift gears and look into doing something <laughs> differently, you know, not necessarily do something different completely, not necessarily just bow out of the sport, but do it in a different way. And that's when I immediately started to, I was like, I can't move. I can't do anything. I couldn't do anything for about three months after I fell with that weight. And so um, I was like, well, there are things I can do. I, I just can't power lift at the moment. So I decided to walk. You know, I st that's when I started to walk. I started to eat better. And, um, you know, people ask often, how long did it take you to lose the weight? And I always tell them it took me like 10 years. But the truth of it is, is that I'm still working on it. Like I work on it every day. Every day I want to eat pizza. Every day I want to sit on the couch. Every day I still have all these urges. All those demons are still there. I still have these desires that call to me multiple times a day. I'm like, let's just fucking eat a donut. Let's eat a cookie. You know, let's go, let's go eat something delicious, you know, but, um, the desire to be in shape and the desire to stay strong, um, reigns supreme. And so, uh, I, I, that balances out well enough. Cause I know I am in favor of the benefits rather than, uh, what eating a donut's going to give me. So that is a great segue into asking you, what is the carnivore diet? And it seems like just based on knowing you as a friend that you've been doing this for a year or maybe 18 months or something, um, how did you first discover it and what is it for people who've never heard of it? Yeah, I've been doing the carnivore diet for um, probably about three years or so, not three years straight. I shift around and, and move around and do some different things here and there. Like at the moment, I eat some potatoes, I eat some rice, um, I eat some vegetables, I eat some fruit. And um, people really lose their mind over that. I guess I should explain this is that, in my opinion, there's a difference between a challenge and a specific style of, of diet. So I think that it's safe to do, um, I shouldn't say any diet, but it's, it's safe to do most diets for a month. It's safe to do, not diets, it's safe to do most challenges for a month. If you were to say, um, you know, I'm not going to eat any carbohydrates for a month, I think it's totally fine. It's a totally fine experiment. Um, I think to say, I'm only going to eat meat for a month. I think that makes sense. And so I found out about the carnivore diet, the carnivore challenge through Dr. Sean Baker, who started about three years ago and every year it's in January, which I think is brilliant because a lot of people are gaining weight from, uh, you know, from Halloween on through Thanksgiving on through Christmas and so on. And they have, you know, they got some weight to lose. So issuing that challenge at that time is perfect timing. And what the carnivore diet is, is, uh, or the carnivore challenge, I should point out, is that it's mainly just, it's meat, it's eggs, bone broth, butter, and then like, that's that's where it like kind of ends, salt. Um, there's no avocados, there's no fruit, there's no vegetables, there's no, um, and it's with the intention of not eating fruit and vegetables. It's not like, hey, you could still throw them in once in a while. It's, it's, in, it's with the intent of 
don't eat them at all because you're trying to see how your body reacts to that. You're trying to see, um, will this be a positive for your body? Will this be a negative? And you could see it with your behavior in the bathroom. You can see it with your sleep. Um, you'll, it'll, it'll show up kind of everywhere and you'll know pretty quickly, uh, whether it's, you know, being effective or not, but to try it out for a month is something I really strongly urge people to do. And, and even just to, even just to do it for like three days, I think you'd be, I think you'd be shocked and surprised at how you felt after three days. Now there is consequences to trying a diet like this. You'll have a massive shift in the amount of water that's in your system. And uh, a lot of that ends up in the toilet. So uh, getting rid of that, those bulk fibers and things like that, this is some of the theories and hypothesis they have about why people end up uh, shitting their brains out uh, when they do a carnivore diet for, for a period of time. Um, some people might, you might get constipated as well. Like anytime you change any diet, um, you know, people get all up in arms about their poop. <laughs> they get all, they all stressed out about their poop. It's like the first questions always about, about the bathroom. But, um, anytime you change your diet, your bathroom, you know, your trips to the bathroom are going to change quite a bit. So it's not just uh, the carnivore diet. Now, what I think a carnivore diet is beyond just doing a challenge. And I think uh, something that's a little bit more rational, something that makes a little bit more sense, um, I think is probably landing on what we've been talking about forever. And that's uh, a lot of the discoveries of someone like Rob Wolf, where you start to mix in some other things. And if you still didn't want to really mix in, um, uh, carbohydrates or sugars, um, then you could be careful with the type of vegetables that you eat. You could be careful with the types of fruit that you choose. You can choose uh, olives and avocados and things like that um, instead of apples and oranges. And and you can kind of maneuver your way through it that way. I, I, I think <clears throat> kind of just in finishing, like people get really crazy about it and they try not to use like spices and anything like that. But um, I think that using spices and all these different things are totally fine. The truth here is that the, for most people, and this is not for everybody, but for most people, if you just open up the playbook a little bit, you have a little bit more options. It's just a little nicer. It's just a little easier. It's a little simpler uh, when, when you don't have to kind of eat the same thing all the time. Now, what I'll say as a rebuttal to that is that um, if, you, if you snack, then you're not going to be in the mood for the foods that you want. And I think that is a really critical thing. It's something I, I may have I may have texted you guys about. Oh, do tell like, us. I, I kind of have like a hard boiled egg challenge. Like, I know like hard boiled eggs aren't like the best thing in the world, but it, you know you can throw like hot sauce on there, or you can throw salt, salt, and different spices on there to try to make them halfway exciting. But if you're not hungry for hard boiled eggs, it just means that you have fake hunger. Um, and I, I, you know, hard boiled eggs, just an example, maybe you hate them, maybe you're allergic to eggs, maybe you got to find something different, but how many times have you left that chicken? Have you left that steak in your fridge? Just, you know, rot away, literally rot away, um, while you ordered, you know, pizza or while you ordered something and probably somewhere in the, in the day, you probably had, you probably had a snack or something like that. I know with my kids, you know, um, if, if they, uh, if they snack, you know, before, you know, you've heard this all your life, don't spoil your dinner, kids. Um, you know, if you're eating right before you have dinner, then you're most likely going to eat a lot less of uh, that portion of meat that you needed. And you're really, you're taking up real estate and you're taking up really valuable real estate in your stomach. 
And uh, I think what we end up seeing is a lot of people have what I've been referring to as like a meat deficiency, because if you have meat in your body, if you have, if you have steak and, and uh, just various forms of meat, you're going to be filling up various cups. Uh, you're going to be filling up your cup for your macronutrients. You do not need carbohydrates to survive. Um, your, your body will produce uh, sugar on its own. Um, but you do need protein and you do need fat. So you're filling up your macronutrient cup and then you're filling up your micronutrient cup. And if you want to get more into micronutrients and you can start to eat like liver and heart and spleen and you can get a little weird with it or you can supplement those things a little bit here and there. Um, but the, but the, what I found to be the most effective and the reason why I like the diet in the first place is the fact that when I eat meat, I feel very satisfied. I don't feel like I really need uh, a lot of other foods. Now, the second that those influences of other foods come in, then that's when my mind is racing and thinking about those other foods again. But for the most part, most of the time, I'm able to be pretty calm and pretty relaxed, even if my wife and kids are making cookies or brownies or whatever. It just doesn't, it doesn't bother me the way that it, the way that it used to. And so that's how I kind of landed on this diet and I'll be messing with it probably the rest of my life. And, you know, one of the things that is remarkable is your the transformation of your body. I, like I said, I have known you at a very, very strong human, thicker self. We had, we had more, we had more <laughs> neck rolls then. But now, you know, if we just didn't cut you in half and count the rings and we just looked at your body confirmation and also the sustainability, this has been, this has been really profound. I'll also add that, um, you know, you also are getting blood panels all the time. And so it's not just, you're not like, playing in the wind. I mean, you're not, this isn't just like, look at how good I look on Instagram naked. You're also saying, Hey, look, my cholesterol is fine. My glycerides are fine. You're looking at all of these aspects of, of your sort of blood marker health. And I point out that something that is, you can't hear it, but Mark has become the most reasonable man ever. You're like, you know, if you're allergic to eggs or maybe an egg made fun of you as a child, like, and you like, like maybe eggs. have a potato, like, you know, I mean, I, I have become a lot more reasonable, but one of the things that I appreciate is your sort of experimentation and then willingness to also look at the truth. Well, you know, I'm always, because I always say, oh, that, that diet looks great. Can I see your blood panel? Can I see your blood work? I mean, you, the, the truth is in the blood, and that's something that has shown that per your genetics and your history and all the things that are working for you, your exercise, it is working. Yeah, I, I just I feel really good. You know, I was just thinking about it today. Well, that has nothing walking. to do with it. <laughs> yeah, when I was when I was walking today. By the way, I am standing, and I do have a place to rest my foot to do the. Uh, <laughs> we'll just call it the Kelly Starrett pose rather than the Captain Morgan pose. We'll just change it. Yeah, we should. We should change it. Yeah, the Kelly Starrett pose. You need a cape, though. I think. And a, and a, wait, does Captain <laughs> Morgan? He has got a hook, right? And a patch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> does it? Does it? I do I think, think maybe we should we should recreate that somehow. Um, thank you for getting that wheel spinning in my mind. <laughs> I was going to say the, the only thing um, that bugs me a little bit is my right knee, and uh, I've had like tendonitis or something in there since I was a kid. I used to I used to love to play basketball, even though I wasn't very good at it. And, uh, I just stopped playing basketball and the pain went away, but now that I'm like running and stuff like that. So the knee will get inflamed here and there, but like, I, I can do everything I can, um, you know, I've, I've torn, torn my pecs a couple of times. I've torn 
a tricep. I torn a bicep. Uh, I torn a hamstring. I've torn a hip flexor. Um, I've injured myself many, many times over, but I'm still, I'm still here. And I, I feel amazing. I feel better than I ever have. Like I was trying to think, I'm like, do I like legitimately feel better than when I'm 25 or do I just kind of think that I do? And I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to think about, you know, what I felt like when I was 25. I don't know if I feel better than when I was 25, but I certainly feel better uh, than we than when we first met, you know, that that's for sure. I remember going to a Kelly Surrett seminar and Kelly said something <clears throat> that made me want to just get up and say, bullshit. You <laughs> <laughs> said, you know, a human body is uh, designed to be pain free. And I'm trying to like, I'm trying to scour my body. I'm like, what's not in pain? I'm like, okay, I think, <laughs> I think my left forearm's not really in that much pain. It's like, nope, <laughs> I was wrong there too. Right forearm, bicep, you know, and I'm thinking everything's sore, everything's achy, but I don't feel that way anymore. I, I do get sore, obviously, like uh, if I try something new or you know, there's a different stimulus going on and um, I have some inflammation, I have some limitations on certain things that my like elbow or shoulder want to do or whatever, but I, I feel awesome. You know, I can, I can kind of uh, do just about any workout. If someone wanted to go on like a trail run, I can go do that. If somebody wanted to go ride a bike. I can do that. If somebody wanted to power lift, I could do that. I could bodybuild. I could CrossFit. Um, I just, I feel awesome. I feel really good. And I, I, I think that, you know, in this time where we got kind of, uh, shut out from our, from our gyms, um, it makes me think of, of you guys. It makes me think of uh, people that I've been around that have shown me different exercise other than bench squat and deadlift. Um, thinking of like Jason Kalipa, like what a cool thing to have the skill set of, Jason Kleepa to know how to do these, all these different various movements, because it doesn't matter if you have a gym or not. So are there times when you are not doing the carnivore diet? I know I see sometimes on Instagram, you're like, you do eat a piece of pizza. Um, is that on some kind of like official cycle? Like, do you do six weeks on carnivore and one week off or what's your sort of like, how do you do that on a rotational basis? I just try to, I just try to kind of pick, you know, I just kind of randomly, uh, will pick, certain times to enjoy certain things. Um, I know that Andy, my wifey, she likes when I, you know, she likes when I'll have a glass of wine with her. Um, but, um, you know, she's, she's made out of something different than I am. She can, she can pound that wine every single day and not have any, not have any repercussions and wake up at seven in the morning and go swimming and everything. Um, so like, I just kind of, swimmer. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's unbelievable. I, I just, I don't really have a, I don't, I try not to have a schedule. I have learned, you know, over the years, I I've really tried to, I have just done some different things that I think are a little bit weird, but I've, I've gotten rid of like goals. Like I don't, I don't have goals. I don't have expectations. I have, I think I have more like a to-do list. Like there's certain things that I want to do and I don't even really look at them as much uh, as goals anymore. Cause I try not, I just try not to put that much pressure on myself. Um, I know that I'm going to work out every day. I know that I'm going to, so like, I don't even have a workout schedule. I don't try to specifically do, uh, anything really. Like I, my goal is to be between like 215 and 220, but I'm not like in some sort of race to do it. I, I could weigh that probably pretty easily within maybe like, a 20, 30 days or something like that. But I'm always trying to think about like, and then what, you know, so 
you know, you want to get your company to make a hundred million dollars or something like that. And then, but the, but the, and then what, like, what is that? You guys know, you guys, you make it somewhere and then it doesn't have, it's, it's not what you thought it was in the first place. So yeah, you don't win your fitness or win your diet or win your yeah, body composition. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so I try to just, I try to, I guess what I'm trying to say is I try to just be reasonable with it. You know, if I feel like doing something, I, I remember one of my uh, relatives, they said, oh, I forgot you're on that diet. You can't eat that. And I said, no, nah, actually, I can eat that. I can eat whatever I want. I just, <clears throat> I, I pick and choose like, you know, when I'm going to do it type of thing. And so I, I think that's a good uh, mentality for people. I know a lot of people really struggle with their weight and that gets to be really difficult. Uh, all I would say on that is like, if you can string together, you know, five good days and you have one bad day here and there, I think, I think that's enough. I think that's whatever you're able to handle. You know, whatever you're able to handle and if you're able to, <clears throat> if your goal is to lose weight and you're able to continue to trend downward, then weigh yourself here and there. Make sure you're heading in that direction and just follow whatever the heck diet you need to, to uh, help get you there. Well, I think that's super interesting. And, you know, one thing I've noticed is that um, clearly what works for some people doesn't work for other people. And And I love that you sort of say, look, like this works well for you and what works for someone else may not work for someone else, um, which leads me into my next question, um, which hopefully won't offend anyone, but I feel like the carnivore diet is kind of like a man diet. Are there a lot of women that you know that are doing it? That is insanely and offensive. That's I racist. I know it's so <laughs> offensive. I know it's so offensive, but, um, man, you know, I don't racist. know. I just, I feel like there's something about it that I'm like, wow, this is like, I could see a lot of dudes getting into the carnivore diet or that style of eating. No, you're, you're I don't really know any women. Are there women? <laughs> no, you're a hundred percent correct. I mean, look at how many people do yoga, right? And then when you go to yoga, um, when I go to yoga, I'm the only guy in there usually. I mean, sometimes there's a couple other guys in there, but it's mainly, it's mainly women. And when you go to yoga, um, how many people are on the carnivore diet? They're on the exact opposite diet. Um, they're juicers and they're, uh, they're, they're vegan and, and things of that nature. Right. So I think, you know, one of the most important things and Kelly being a doctor, I mean, this is like the most important thing. Um, being able to adhere to something is, is massively important. And I think one thing it's that most people can, yeah, it's, right. Like if you're not going to follow it, then it's like, what? people do that with books all the time. I have a lot of friends that, um, they tell me all these books that they've read and I'm just kind of thinking like, man, you're, <laughs> you're not, I don't think you're using any of the information in these books. Cause <laughs> that's probably the 30th book you told me that you read and you're not really anywhere, you know? So being able to actually, you know, do uh, what somebody suggests and then being able to actually adhere to a diet or a fitness program, you have to like it. You know, it has to be, it has to be of interest to you. I, I think that people get so confused about success and something that I've seen and learned across the board. When my, my dad lost his job at IBM um, when he was at like year 19. You know, he needed one more year and then he was going to be able to get like a pension and a retirement and all those kind of things. And, you know, he spent every day of his life, you know, getting a suit and tie. And I just knew it when I was a kid, I was like, whatever the heck that is, you know, I, I, I don't want to do that. But what made my dad super successful was the fact that when he lost his job, IBM downsides, 
downsized in, in Poughkeepsie, New York. That's where their headquarters was at the time. And when that happened, my dad just very easily shifted gears because my dad's always been very interested in finances. He's always been interested in, in money, how people can make money, how people can save money. Um, so he became an accountant and he also became a real estate agent. And he didn't skip a beat. I think like I, I was not even aware that like we didn't have money. I wasn't aware that he really, I, I didn't even know he lost his job. I just, I just knew he started working in the basement and then he turned our basement into a, uh, into an office. And my point here is that, you know, if you want to be successful at something, it really just uh, goes very well with your interest. You know, if you find, if you, <laughs> If you're just, let's say you're extremely shredded, you're really ripped, you're in really, really good shape, but you haven't figured out a way to like monetize that. That's just because your interest level lies in being in shape more so than it does in making money. Um, you see this with artists all the time. They, their love, their passion, they don't care if they need to like sleep in their car. You know, I did pro wrestling for a while. These guys will they'll sleep in their car and they'll wrestle in front of <clears throat> 10, 20, 30 people. I don't care how many people are there. It's their art. It's what they love to do. It's, it's what their interest is. And I think a lot of times people are trying to force interest on themselves. So I, I think that's a really important thing that you try a bunch of different things so you can kind of figure out the only way you're going to learn anything is to mess up a lot of times. The only way you're going to learn anything is to make errors. That's where all knowledge comes from. All knowledge comes from error correction. So you have to just try a lot of stuff. So I've, I've tried, you know, as many different diets as I can think of within reason that fit some of my beliefs. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try a vegan diet. I don't have anything against anything that other people want to try, but I just never felt like it was for me. But I, I think if you're going to be successful at something, it just really has to do with the interest level. And if you find yourself wavering and you find yourself not being able to lose weight, well, that just means your interest level isn't high enough in losing weight. You're more interested in continuing to be the same as you were yesterday. It might be like an unpopular truth, but that's just the way I see it. Well, this, is, this notion of adherence is really one of the interesting aspects of this carnivore style. Because what we know is meat and especially red meat is actually very nutrient dense and compared to other really crappy calories even you know what we've heard from our expert friends is even sort of mass produced meat it still has way more b vitamins and micronutrients and it's calorically much better for you than just pigging out on cheese and beans and rice and and grains right so we we've heard that from a multitude of people whether however you feel and and, and we're not having a conversation about the ethics of meat right now, right? That's not what this is about. But what we have seen is that when people go and try a carnivore diet, their guts clean up. They, they have much better gut permeability. A lot of their inflammatory problems, it's like the, the system tamps down a little bit, stops becoming so twitchy. And because it's so easy to eat these things, here's five things that you're going to eat it really eliminates the need and, and sort of pressure to pull other things out. And so you, you, it really has been, for us, you know, every once in a while I, as a physical therapist, I run into someone who's clearly having some kind of systemic inflammatory thing. And it could be as insidious and strange as a root canal infection, something around their gut or their health. And, and, but there's a couple you know, non sort of inflammatory diets we've recommended from our friends, which is plant paradox, which is really an idea of trying to pull out 
things that may be irritating the gut, and then carnivore. And so what's really interesting as you're saying about this is that it really is an extreme elimination diet that people have really excellent adherence to because it, the parameters are good. And then because they get such good success very quickly in terms of body composition, which is chiefly why people are using this, it's been transformational for so many people. Yeah, you get a, a reward from it, um, you know, almost almost automatically. Or not automatically, but you get a reward from it very quickly. And uh, that makes you uh, instantly feel better. But again, like it's even just the weight, weight aside, I think that if someone was to just give this an actual uh, try and, and tried it for just a handful of days, just three to five days, um, I think you would just learn whether it's for, for you or not for you. Maybe you just learn that um, cutting out a lot of carbohydrates just was really helpful to you. So then when you go back to your whatever style of diet that you like, um, you can make the uh, adjustments um, you know, you know, as, you, as you need them, basically. So... I mean, I know you just said three to five days, but do you think that's a good like test amount of time? Like if someone's listening to this and they're like, huh, that sounds cool. I want to try this. Like, do you think three to five days or do you think it's more like a challenge, like 30 days to really, you know, get beyond the, um, you know, toilet issues and sort of get into some sort of rhythm with it? Or do you think you really could see a difference in three to five days? I think it's really important to lie to yourself. You know, when I, when I go out on my runs, um, I start out walking. And then I'm like, ah, I'm just going to run to that stop sign. And then, you know, once I get to the stop sign, I run a little further <laughs> and it's encouraging, you know, once you have a little bit of success and once you get that ball rolling. So I would say, you know, doing it for three days is probably going to get you started. You know, it's just such an easy thing to say to yourself, okay, I'm going to buy a couple chunks of meat and I'm going to do this for uh, three days. And it won't upset anyone else in the household, like your wife or your husband won't think you're crazy that you're trying something that's going to hurt you because you're only doing it for three days. And you can say, look, I just want to try this for a couple of days and see how it feels. Most people that, that don't eat very healthy, uh, I think will notice, um, an impact enough to encourage them to say, ah, you know what? I did it for three days. I may as well stretch it out for a week. Um, doing it as a challenge and doing it for like a whole month, um, that can work great because, um, again, you're giving yourself a, an X amount of time to do it, but a month is a long time, you know, as, um, when you're addicted to food and you have trouble with food, you know, my, my entire family is fat. I come from a, a long lineage of people that love to overeat. And when you're addicted to food, um, a day isn't, uh, long, but, every hour is, is, is super long, you know, like every, every opportunity to eat is another opportunity to basically, uh, screw up is the way that you look at it when you are addicted to food, uh, rather than from the other perspective of, Hey, look, this is an opportunity to launch myself forward. This is an opportunity, uh, to do a lot better. And I think that, I think for some people, what they might notice is, so, we did mention that everybody is different. And we did mention that it's important that like, if you don't like meat, then, you know, there's no reason to really even probably mess with a carnivore diet. Some people really don't like red meat. Some people don't like fattier meats. Um, so then, you know, you're left with trying to figure out, um, you know, you'd have to look into some other options, but we're, we're, all, we're all very similar too. So I think that's important to understand as much as we are different, um, we are massively the same. Um, we don't need massive, massive amounts of carbohydrate necessarily. 
Right. We don't need massive amount of carbohydrate. We don't need massive amounts of food. You know, um, we just, we just don't, we can probably, you know, people feed their dogs twice a day, you know, and then some, you're like, well, why don't you feed them three or four times a day? And they're like, well, my dog will get fat. <laughs> no, and, and, and so, you know, I, I think this reminds people, me of a story yeah. where people, I gave people, my cat diabetes. Oh no. Feeding yeah, him people, cat food. Yeah. People should, you know, really just try to find a diet that allows them to uh, eat a food, eat a certain amount of food that allows them to maintain a weight that's reasonable for them. And then, so where we're all similar is, is this uh, idea of protein leveraging. And there's a guy named Ted Neiman that talks about it quite a bit. Um, he does like Ted talks on it and all kinds of different stuff. Um, but protein leveraging is this kind of idea and concept of the more protein that you eat, you will, uh, you'll eat less calories overall because you, the, there's a belief that, and a theory, that all living things are in, always in search of protein. And so while we're rummaging through our Cheez-Its and while we're rummaging through cookies and things like that, they have, um, they have massively produced these things. They override our, uh, our body's ability to recognize, you know, when we're full, our body's ability, like it just, it's so oversatisfying. It, it's, um, it's so overwhelming that you kind of can't stop. It's hard. You know, they even dare you to say, try to eat just one and things of that nature. But protein doesn't work that way. You know, um, you know, eat two chicken breasts and then tell me how hungry you are. Like, um, I, I, I sometimes will use that leverage to my advantage. I will, um, it was probably like a week ago. I just felt like eating a sandwich. So I was like, that'd be really cool to go to the store over here and make us and get us, get it just a deli sandwich. Like it'll, it'll rock. I'll get it on. They have this like Dutch crunch bread and it's freaking amazing. So I was like, all right, you can do that, but you got to eat two chicken breasts first. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's still extra calories. Okay. It's still extra calories, but, ca but protein, protein's kind of screwed up protein. in my opinion, shouldn't even count as calories. And there's a lot of other people uh, that have been studying this for years and years that would agree with that statement, or at least say that maybe it should only count um, as, as one calorie, but any, anyway, protein is going to help you and assist you uh, to eat less overall. So even though I ate the chicken breast and the sandwich, which is more food, um, it's technically it should be helping me. It should be assisting me not to have cravings later on that night. And that's that's what I'm into. I'm into like the long game. So if I, um, you know, I, I'm not trying to be fancy. I'm just trying to be consistent. So wherever I can, I try to figure out, okay, if I'm going to eat that, how can I augment that? How can I change that a little bit? How can I make that more satisfying? Because we know eating uh, peanut butter cups is amazing, but again, it's not going to do anything to fill you up. So try to make sure that you're actually uh, full along with being satisfied sometimes from some of these delicious foods that are around. So I have to tell you a story, Mark Bell, and maybe I've told you this before, but when I, you know, this is actually something Kelly's been doing since probably before I met him, and he calls it pre-eating. Um, you know, if you're going to go to like a Christmas party where you know all there's going to, you know, the only thing that will be served is like a cheese plate and wine, um, you know, he always got in the habit of what he called pre-eating. And uh, there was a time actually when George was a little there's baby. There's science behind it, Stuart. <laughs> yeah, there's science behind it. There's science. Uh, George was a baby, and we were going to a Christmas party, staying with my mom. 
and you could see Kelly was panicking about his future eating at this Christmas party. Um, so my mom actually lived in a place at that time where there was an elevator. So we get all of us packed into the small elevator. Kelly's holding Georgia as a baby. And literally, you know, he has pretty big cheeks, like a pretty big face. And his cheeks were just full. And I was like, what is in your mouth? And he could barely talk because he just stuffed all this leftover pork into his mouth. <laughs> and he was like having trouble chewing it all because he just... And so we've, we've called that pork cheeks ever since. Um, and, uh, I don't know, we've, we've gotten a lot of, uh, lifetime value out of this whole pork cheeks com concept. And I'm sure you can envision Kelly's pork cheeks right now. Pork cheeks. Yeah. It's uh, it's called protein leveraging. Look it up. <laughs> pork cheeks. It's leveraging. science. It's what, science. One of the things that I'm, you know, we have been, we say it all the time. You have reinforced it. You've got to be consistent before you're heroic. And, you know, the best plan is like, I'm just like, look, it, it takes time to make change and changing behavior is the most difficult human being thing we do, whether it's a cognitive behavior, whether it's a movement behavior, whether it's a reaction to something. And one of the things that I appreciate that I've heard you say here, and it's something that was echoed in our friend E.C. Sinkowski, who has the 800 gram challenge. She says, you know, and the, the model of her eating is great. Don't worry about the rest. Just stuff 800 grams of vegetables and fruits in your, in your, down your palate every day. And people are stuffed. They cannot eat any. They're like, I'm so full. And what I've just heard you say is, why don't you get full on something that you have to eat first and then see how much is left over for your other crap on the other side. And it really does, when we don't take things away, but we add things in, it really has been transformative. These two styles, you know, pulling things out and realizing running these little experiments and challenges like a whole 30 where you're like, Hey, I'm not going to drink dairy for you know, a couple of weeks and see how I feel. I'm not going to eat grains for a couple of weeks, but oftentimes they're not very sustainable. We make real changes in people and people bring consciousness. But I really appreciate the simplicity of what you're saying is, Hey, look, you know, let's, let's leverage this first. And what you'll see is that, you know, there's not a lot of room and you're very sated and you're not cutting calories or feeling like a failure you're like, what are you doing, Mark? I'm like gorging on chicken breasts and, and hard-boiled eggs. And you're like, dude, fatty. Like, no one would ever throw that at you, right? I mean, and you're stuffed, which is really remarkable kind of hack here. I think it's just important, too, to understand that, like, nothing can make you fat except for yourself. Like, you, you know, you, there's some people that maybe have, uh, you know, some genetic predispositions to being heavier than others and things of that nature. But for the most part, the only thing that can make yourself you know, heavier than you want to be is, is your own, is your own behavior. And I think to understand that is really crucial so that that way you're not ever, even, even with the knowledge that we have, um, that we don't need as many carbohydrates as we, you know, previously thought, e even though, uh, we have, you know, some knowledge towards, you know, move, move more, eat less type stuff. Uh, even though we have this knowledge, it's still a very difficult thing, uh, to overcome all these, amazing foods that are around all the time. But, you know, there's, there's kind of two ways to look at it. You know, I, I've heard people say, well, you know, there's so much just amazing, just delicious, uh, you know, unhealthy, convenient foods. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, well, there's the opposite of that too. There's a lot of, I mean, there's, there's food prep companies. I mean, there's all these different apps to help you track stuff. Um, 
you know, you can wear a heart rate monitor. You can, I mean, there's just so many different things that you can do. And from a food perspective, uh, I think we live in a, you know, minus uh, what they're saying about like a meat shortage or whatever, but we're, we live in a, we live in a really good time where we have access. You know, I, most people I know have a refrigerator full of food, a freezer full of food, a pantry full of food, and sometimes even another refrigerator full of food. And so we have we have a lot of food options. It's just that I think all our eyes see and all our nose smells are are the you know the pizza and the uh, donuts and and a lot of those things. And we're not we're just not paying attention to the fact that uh, there's convenient foods that um, that are super healthy that are at our disposal um, at all times. And, and I like what you said about the pork cheeks because um, that's, <laughs> you know, I, I've been doing that for years as well. It's like sometimes I'll even just throw down like a protein shake on my way out the door just because I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what foods are going to be there. And uh, it's almost like an anxiety, right? Like you, you're, you're not sure what the situation is going to be. So you're, you're trying to set yourself up uh, for success. So that way you don't end up eating some, uh, some garbage when you go. And I, I advise people to do that when they shop. You know, I think that you should always eat before you shop, you know, throw down some protein before you head out because all of a sudden that Ben and Jerry's is going to, you know, talk to you as you, as you walk down the aisle. So, you know, I think, uh, loading up on some proteins, a, a great idea. So that um, your mention about the protein shake leads me into hopefully my last question so we can let you go here in a moment. But um, can you eat protein powder on the carnivore diet? And also just to sort of tack on to that question, are you taking any particular supplements on the regular when you're carnivoring? You know, I, I think it's important uh, for, for long term to not be too dogmatic about anything. Again, if you want to view something as a challenge, I think that that's great and that's can be fun to get behind that. Um, but like, if you like protein shakes, just drink them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I heard a quote the other day that said, you know, one thing that troubles people is that when they're hungry, they don't eat. And when they're tired, they don't go to sleep. And it's like, wow, that's like, and, and, and if you think about it, it's, it's not so much that they don't eat. Uh, it's more about like, you're stressing about what to eat, where to eat when to eat, you know, how, how much to eat. And then same thing with your sleep. You're like, Oh, I'm kind of tired. I should probably just lay down. But even if you have an opportunity to, you never do, you know, we just don't, we don't simplify things enough. And I, and I think, you know, that I, I think that's important. It's an important thing to do. And as I was saying, you know, a little bit earlier about not thinking that like a carbohydrate is going to make you fat or not thinking that fat's going to make you fat or not thinking it's just, it's just a matter of, uh, just a matter of how much you know how much you eat overall and i think that if you can you know figure out ways of uh kind of skewing so that you eat a lot more protein you end up with some of that protein leveraging i think that you'll find this whole nutritional uh riddle um you know ends up ends up being a lot easier to handle than than you probably initially thought but i just did three sets of five in squats don't i need to refuel with my carbohydrate mark <laughs> mark uh just to, just want to say how much we appreciate you, and um, you know you're one of my few friends who went from clinically obese to even more jacked and tan. And I and it's not that you know I have I I feel like I have a lot of jacked lean people who've been jacked and lean their whole lives who don't come from a family full of eaters who don't have this appreciation for 
what it's like to be on the other side and use food to self-soothe and manage. And man, I just appreciate you sharing what has worked for you and, and being so reasonable about it because, you know, you have become a, really a voice for control and a lot. In, and you have plenty of friends who, you know, Stan Efforting is one of your besties and he feeds the world's strongest men, Brian Shaw and, and Half Thor and there's a lot of carbohydrate in this fuel because those guys, what their guys are doing. So you aren't the only, you're not just advocating for a single style, but I really appreciate that you said that this is what's worked for me. And you have become really, truly, finally, the people's coach. I mean, you, you know, people kind of bandy that around for a long time. And if you've ever been to a, a, a powerlifting meet or you've been to, a, you know, the Arnold or a big show, Mark is a celebrity. And, uh, and, but now finally, I think I can, I can put on you. You're the doctor of powerlifting coaches. So, uh, you know, I, I know that you and Juliet like to say that you're world champions and I'm not, but you guys are truly world champion. You are my, uh, my world champion as friend. Thank you. I appreciate that. And again, I just want to kind of reiterate, like, just give it a shot. Just, just try it out. Um, whatever that diet is you've been thinking about doing, it doesn't necessarily have to even be the carnivore diet. Just, just just do it. Just try it. You know, I think, um, I, I put out a video, um, about six weeks ago and it was pretty cool because I was talking about the future. I was talking about right now. I was talking about now times. And I said, imagine if you started something now where you would be six or eight weeks from now while we're in lockdown, while we're in quarantine and just try to just do your best, man. Just try to take it day by day. Like you're going to have a lot of ups and downs. I had a guy message me this morning and this is the way I wake up almost every day. I had a guy message me and tell me that he lost 60 pounds. Like that is just, Impossible. that makes me, that makes me feel amazing. Like the fact that, you know, he was able to take some advice that I threw out there and the fact that he was able to implement it and the fact that he was able to, uh, you know, insert that into his life and, and make these big changes. He was 350 pounds and now he's, 285 or something like that. It's like, that's just amazing. And I love seeing that. And I've, that's kind of been, it's been weird because I'm the guy that taught people how to get fat and how to bench squat and deadlift. <laughs> and now I pull the uh, rug out from under you and say, Hey, look, we're not doing that anymore. We're gonna... <laughs> it's, it's time to lose a bunch of weight. Uh, Mark Bell, where can people find you, follow you, learn more about what you're up to? I'm in Bodega Bay. I go on a lot of walks out here. So <laughs> if, if you see me walking, come up and say hello. Now you can find me on uh, social media. I'm at Mark Smelly Bell on Instagram and on Twitter. I have a YouTube channel as well. And uh, then we also have a gym, 855 Riverside Parkway, West Sacramento, California. The gym is free. Um, so anybody that wants to come by as soon as we are officially open to the public, uh, I'd love, love to see you there. So I think, I think we're going to open her up in a couple of days here. I got to, I've been putting a lot of pressure on the wifey because, uh, I think what's going on right now is total bullshit. So I think, uh, it's time that as citizens, we maybe uh, have to have to just try to open up the country ourselves. I'm not sure what's going to happen here, but this doesn't, uh, doesn't seem good. And I'm going to sidestep the politics here just for a second, because I appreciate it's complicated, but I do want to, just point out that you were being true and and honest. You can come by the gym and train. It's actually free. You and there are world class athletes hanging out there. And the, the rule is what? Don't be a jerk. Clean up your weights. Like make the place a little bit better. 
yeah, I, there, there's really, there's really no rules. You can't wear a tank top unless you bench over four or five, or unless you have arms that are over 18 inches and you can't wear headphones. But other than that, I just want you to participate, have some fun, yell at some people, make sure we're getting each other fired up. And uh, I just want to add that, you know, it's been amazing to be friends with you guys. You guys have added so much uh, value to my life um, as my life as a lifter inside the gym, uh, my life outside, outside of the gym. And uh, it's been amazing to watch the progression uh, that you guys have been making over there. I, I, I still watch. I still check out all this stuff. I was you know, I, I'm the, uh, I'm the guy that, that does those kind of cheap lunges. I'll call them. I, I'm, I'm a, a <laughs> I, I squat my lunges is what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say. But like, I I've learned so much, uh, over the years from you and I, I really appreciate, uh, your friendship and I appreciate all the great information that you guys give out. So thank you so much. Thank you, Marco. We feel the same about you. It's just always a pleasure to have you in our lives and, um, and share you with people listening because I think there's a lot to learn and um, you really are the people's coach. So thank Kelly, you for being here. Kelly, do you remember when Juliet stole my gum? <laughs> <laughs> Juliet, yeah. Juliet's a gum thief. It turns out when you go to a super training gym, the gum is also free. <laughs> yeah, you guys came you just and take you, it. you like pillaged the place. Like, she, I was like, yeah, she, grab a hold of whatever you want. And you're like, okay, cool. And you grab the hold of a couple hip circles and a couple t-shirts. I'm like, all right, that's cool. And then you guys started taking staplers and pens. And <laughs> you said the gym is free. And the Juliet yeah, I was, was like, I was like, the gum is free. The free the gum. Free the gum. Free the gum. I, I know I need to come back there and get some free gum. So I look forward to seeing you there. Um, was this uh, officially the Ready Steak podcast? <laughs> pork, it's the Pork Cheeks podcast. Welcome back. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Mark Bell. Best to your family, Mark. Love you. Thank you, guys. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Ready State Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all our episodes here or at thereadystate.com. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Ready State. Until next time, cheers, everyone. You got it!